0: We are live in three, two.
1: Welcome in to Leather Brains. It has been two dang long. Gentlemen, how have you been? How have you guys been doing? Happy holidays. It's uh it's a blessing to have both Scotty and Yeti here with me. It is oh, Wednesday. A yeah. A blessing. That's a big word. Uh it's good to have you guys here we we kind of uh we were not around the last week and some change we had plans we had holidays we were traveling there was a lot going on so we we took a little bit of a break but we are back for episode 158 how did you guys' fantasy football champions championships fare out did you guys i know that scotty you made it to the championship in at least one league that i am aware of but uh did you make it in any others
2: I didn't make it to the championship and any others. I got third place in a couple of them, got a little bit of money. Overall, I netted positive on my fantasy football investment, which is all a person can ask for. Amen,
1: baby. Amen. You You know, everybody
0: on Twitter right now, they're talking about ROI. You know, I've seen a lot of fantasy analysts say, oh, I actually paid this much this year and I won this much. So maybe we need to talk about our ROIs a little more. Um, Anyway, uh, I... uh, I sadly lost my only Damn. championship game, guys. It's Heartbreaker. A- well, I I'm
1: sorry to hear that. Um, you took second. I'm, I think I was in that league, so it was our dynasty league. But Yeti, I think we need to give Scotty a, a quick golf golf round of applause here because he uh, he won in our league of champion or our league of record, excuse me. So he is uh, it's the first year you actually made it into the playoffs and you won it all. Very excited for you. Congratulations, my friend. It is long feels like overdue. a
2: backhanded compliment when you describe it like that. Well, no, it's
1: you're just not- it's it's gone. To, it's I think I mean, it is look how far you've come. Look how far you have come yeah. from not, you know, your fantasy football knowledge of years past. to You're doing a podcast and you, you won the championship and you're the man.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, doing the podcast, I I initially got involved in this podcast because you wanted to do a podcast. And I was like, ah, you know, I could be a part of that. And I didn't know barely anything about fantasy football. I was a big NFL fan, big Chiefs fan forever, but fantasy football was kind of off my radar. Um, I will say now that over the last few years, you know, I'm in nine leagues this year, as I've said before, and I think that league of record is still one of the most competitive leagues that I'm in. Really, it's, it's, it is, everyone is pretty heavily involved in that league. And I'm pretty impressed, especially now that I understand the game a little bit more. I'm pretty impressed with how much, uh, you know, movement goes along in there and, you know, people are knowledgeable. Yeah. I I,
0: I don't know about you, but I feel like a proud dad over here. It's like watching your little boy start off as a, you know, a little runt of the family and he's turned (laughs) into a champion.
1: I'm still, I'm still the
2: runt of my family, unfortunately.
1: Yeah. We have a cool mustache.
2: That's true. Nobody else can say that. And you have a championship
1: under your belt. Amen. All right, gentlemen. Today, we are going to be recapping week 17. That's not all. There's actually – we have a lot of catching up to do. Like I said, we've kind of – we've taken a backseat to the show, and we've been very busy. So, I want to talk about the Lions-Cowboys, of course, and the ending that happened there. We're going to talk about some Sean Payton slander, Justin Fields, what's the future look like for him, and then it, we're going to do playoff scenarios. You know, the fantasy football season is over, but that doesn't mean that we're done providing content and our analytical skills and all those other good things. So we're going to be talking about the playoff picture and the scenarios that are going to happen here rather quickly in the in the next week. So, and then to finish this thing off, we're going to do the Brain Busters. So if you guys have any questions, submit them in. We will answer them at the end of the show. Like I said end of the fantasy season really sucks. Scotty, congratulations to you for winning our league of record. That is incredible. And I am so happy that one of us three could take the, uh, take the trophy home. So, uh, I'm really proud of you, man. I'm not your dad, but you know, like Yeti said, it's like, a, it's a proud dad moment. Um, yeah. I also want to congratulate everybody else that won in fantasy football. I don't know if you guys had Puka Nakua as wide receiver five on the season. Raheem Mostert as RB three on the season and Baker Mayfield as quarterback nine on the season. Uh, but those are all accurate, real fantasy stats for these players. They did it. I didn't have that on my bingo card and I'm going to say most people probably didn't. So congratulations to those of you that played the waiver wire this year and or hit on some late round drafts, draft capital, because you guys won your games. If you are still playing fantasy football, however, and this is your last week, we will provide you absolutely no help. The only thing that I can tell you is this. Find a new league. Because if you are playing in week 18, you should not be in that that league whatsoever. I'm going to say Blaine Gabbert and Carson Wentz, as starting quarterbacks this week for fantasy football, is a disgusting thing to do. It's disgusting to see. You don't want that. So go find some leagues that finish in week 17 so you can play your actual starters and not Blaine Gabbert. Find some new friends that's my suggestion to you. I can't help you win in fantasy this week. With the, all that being said, let's talk about this Lions Cowboys ending. The game that happened this last week was absolutely devastating. I have been a pseudo Lions fan this year and I felt like they got robbed of this win. I think everybody has seen the clips, they've seen what has happened. But just a quick recap is Lions offensive tackle Taylor Decker was uh, checking in as an eligible checked in as an eligible receiver for the lions the lions went for two he caught the ball and then uh it was a trick play the refs threw a flag said he didn't check in when he very clearly did so they ended up having a bunch of fuckery with the offsides there was an offsides penalty so it pushed him back then they went forward and all this is to say that they tried to go for two again and they didn't get it i was curious as people who aren't the pseudo lions fans like i am this year scotty you have been a a, um, a very tough critic of dan campbell would you have preferred that he would have kicked the extra point there and, and tried to stay in this game, or did you were you okay with him trying to go for two again?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I could see it both ways. I don't feel overly strongly about it. I think analytics would tell you to kick the field goal after the penalty. Um, but ultimately, you can't fault a guy for saying, hey, you know, they went in with a game plan. They said, hey, if we get down to the wire, we're going to go for the win. That's how we've made it here this entire season. So I don't really blame him for sticking to his guns on that call. The one thing, you know, I, I've been a very – vocal critic of dan campbell as you said and the one thing that really pissed me he's always got something every game that pisses me off was his post-game press conference obviously they got screwed you know i don't think anyone can question that at this point in time it really looks like they followed the rules to a T. but dan campbell <laughs> in his post-game press conference was asked about it and he basically said well he checked in i don't want to talk about it anymore like just threw a little temper tantrum on camera you know everybody complains when patrick mahomes does that but nobody bats an eye when dan campbell does it um so he found a way to piss me but as far as the call goes, you know, it is what it is. I I, I don't blame him for trying to win it.
0: Yeah, and I, I kind of go back and forth on the decision myself just because um, if you look at the analytics, you're supposed to kick the extra point. But when your offense is that hot and you can't stop the Cowboys on offense, it's like you might as well go for the, for the win right then and there. And if all things were to go well for them, they would have got it pretty easily, right? If the referees wouldn't have fucked them over we would be talking about the Lions locked in as a two seed, but instead mm-hmm. we're talking about this controversial call now.
1: Yeah. And you, you said that, you know, the refs kind of fucked him over here. So Brad Allen, it's he is the the head officiant for that, that crew. Um, they have been downgraded. They have been terrible this year. Not only did they fumble the bag in this Lions game, but they also ref the Chiefs game, the Chiefs Green Bay game. And uh, there was a very blatant missed pass interference call that was a key the Chiefs were driving it was a long ball to MVS it was thrown to him and the safety jumped on MVS's back it was very clearly a pass interference call and they didn't call it so um they're they're on the hot seat as they should be and you know this they have kind of one more chance I think is is what I've kind of deemed it for them um they will be refing the the Steelers Ravens game this week, and if they do a terrible job, I don't know if Brad Allen's team is gonna or crew is gonna be around much longer, and they might dissipate or move them around because they have been pretty bad this year. And my question to you boys is, you know, we have had a revolving conversation about all refs this year. I, you know, we we joked about it, we've joked about it, we've talked about it, we've been frustrated about it, but. What is the solution here? Does the NFL get some technology in place where you almost remove the refs? Is that what we want to see? Or would we rather have refs in the game and have the human element there to be able to, you know, have those questionable calls and let let the human eye determine that? Like, where do you guys stand on this thing? Because. It's not like the NFL can't afford to bring in technology and say, hey, this is you know a laser line. If the ball doesn't touch this, then you, you don't get the first down. So do we like the human element or would we prefer technology to kind of take over in that way?
0: Um, I kind of lean towards the side of going with technology. And I say that because, one, I'm an IT guy. But two, <laughs> um, I, I think a lot of the conversations that we've had about referees this season have all been judgment calls. They haven't been clear, like, oh, he was out of bounds, or yeah, he fumbled. It's been, did we hear him check in? Did he catch that? Did he drop that? Did the ground help him catch it? Like, it's just a lot of interpretation for referees, and I think that's where the NFL has kind of failed the referees, is we've given them too much power to control the game and not go straight to review or let review overturn anything if it's a questionable call.
2: Yeah, I mean, it also it's 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 not like the NFL rules have changed so drastically year by year. I mean, obviously there have been incremental changes, but you know, one of the things that that just that comes to mind is you know the NFL's got a larger fan base now than ever before. There are a lot more people watching these games, a lot more primetime games going on, um, and so you notice these mistakes, and it really brings to light. You know, when you br- we bring up the um, you know Kadarius Tony lining up offsides comes to mind. That particular call, obviously, he was offsides, but it's also true that several refs give warnings before they do that. Like, and, and it should be black and white. It should be you're breaking the rules or you're not breaking the rules. There shouldn't be okay. There's a warning on this time. If you do it again, then it's a then it's a penalty. That's not the way it should be. And those sorts of judgment calls, like Yeti said, are exactly what's causing this problem. So I tend to agree. I, th- I think you 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 know soccer has done this where they where they went to a high you know, a more highly technical process where they can actually review uh, and and determine using, you know, chips and the balls and that sort of thing to find out if it's out of bounds or if it's across the goal line or if it's a first down, like those sorts of things that can be eliminated, uh, should be eliminated, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I think it's one that, you know, I don't think we've gotten to the point where everybody's going to be... Um asking for the removal of refs at this point but I, I do think that as if this trend continues the conversation that we're having is going to be more prevalent in the nfl landscape where it's like let's just get rid of them and let's bring technology in. i don't hate that idea i do like the human element to a degree because i think it, it it makes the game a little bit more fun but at the end of the day when you're on the losing side of that it's not a fun experience and i and I, we all have been at times so it's, well, it and- is frustrating and
2: judgment calls are always going to be a part of the game. I mean, even something like holding—like you could call holding on every player on every play throughout the game. You have to just determine whether or not it's egregious. Those sorts of things you're not really going to be able to change. So, to me, yeah. if you can use technology to mitigate the refs' involvement and and keep them from making judgment calls when they're not necessary, then we'll be a little bit more forgiving about the judgment calls that have to happen.
0: Mm-hmm. So, so what are your guys? Sorry, Slav. No, so what are okay. your guys' thoughts on potentially a? I know we've talked about this before, but a, a hip drop tackle being eliminated or the touch push being eliminated because that will create more judgment calls for the referees. What exactly is a touch push? What exactly is a, a hip drop tackle? Do you guys agree with any of those changes that might get proposed in the offseason? No, I maybe the hip drop tackle because I you, we have seen
1: some egregious ones where like you can very clearly tell that that's a hip drop tackle and it that is potentially very harmful for a player. So that one I think there could be a valid argument for. But as far as the touch push is concerned, absolutely not. The the touch push should stay in the NFL. The only reason that people are getting pissed off about it is because the Eagles are doing it and they can't stop it. But do you know what? Other teams, it's it's hilarious. There are so many other NFL teams that have tried to do it this year and they haven't succeeded. And the reason being is because the Eagles do it better. Than everyone else, that I mean, that's just the truth. So you can't ban a play be- just because oh hey these guys do it really really well. I think that's kind of bullshit, and I would be very frustrated if I was the Eagles because other teams I-, I could pull up film and we could sit here and watch other teams try and do it and and it's fourth and one and they don't get it because their offensive line isn't good enough or the guy pushing him is not good enough or the quarterback's not driving. whatever the case is they're not getting the first down. And the Eagles are doing it, and they're doing it incredibly well. Don't punish a team for being able to run a play better than anyone else.
2: Yes, I I actually I disagree and agree with you. So I I agree, first of all, that the tush push should not be banned, uh, because it, you know, it seems like if a team can do it well, then it's it's the defensive job to stop it. Um, so it it doesn't make sense to me that it would be banned, but I think there's a better argument for banning the tush push because it is a clear play. Whereas the hip drop tackle, you introduce a whole nother gray area where some of them are egregious, most of them are not. And you talk about a hip drop tackle on a quarterback in the pocket and you say, Okay, you can't hit him in the head, you can't hit him below the waist you can't hit him in the midsection now what are you supposed to do it would be yet another rule that makes the game impossible for the defense um which is you know that's just the way the NFL's gone is just penalizing the defense for playing defense so I think it would be less egregious to ban the tush push than uh, to implement a ban for the hip drop tackle um but I don't think I don't think they should ban the tush push either
1: I mean where do you stand on it Yeti like do you think it, just the tush push for example do you think it should be banned
0: no i i think that is a you you fucking hit the nail on the head here with the eagles every team has tried to take the tush push and use it but they can't succeed at the same rate as the eagles because the eagles have perfected it they've practiced it and they've got it down to a fucking science now of a legit rugby scrum you look at any other team that's tried to run it they just can't figure it out and i i think that nick siriani and whoever else came up with the idea in Philly deserve a lot of credit for kind of bending the rules in their favor or just being creative. And another reason why they shouldn't ban is because Philly doesn't have any other offensive weapons at this point in
1: the season. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) How else are they going to
2: move the ball? Exactly.
1: No, I I, – It's going to be interesting. the The NFL landscape in the next few years, from a technological perspective, I think is going to be really, really interesting. And see how they incorporate technology. One of the things, and then we'll move off this topic, that I think is really, really cool is on the Thursday night game when you're watching Amazon. I don't know if you guys have watched the Prime Vision, but it's really cool to see. It's cool to like it, track that, and it's nothing crazy, right? It's not like life changing technology, but it's. I would prefer watching the the host is terrible, but the actual technology that they have there where you can see the route that the wide receiver was running the entire time. And like, you can kind of see like who the hot receiver might be like that kind of stuff. I enjoy that. I think it's really cool. And it brings another perspective into the game, especially for those that are not as familiar with, with football to a, the degree that some of us are, where, you know, you can't read a defense. You have no idea. And you're like, Oh, that's the guy I need to choose. So I like that. I want to see more of that kind of stuff. I think that makes the game more uh, easier to understand for a lot of people and also just more entertaining for, for people viewers such as ourselves so I want to move over to Sean Payton for a second there was I saw this clip on ESPN it was Ryan Clark on on ESPN's get up Uh, I'm going to play the clip for you guys um, and then for anybody who was watching feel free to obviously watch it and listen in but everybody who's listening on the podcast for tomorrow you'll still be able to hear the audio so here we go
3: the standpoint I agree with you you know Mike T like they're making a decision based on money and the financials and when Daniel says this is the deal that we signed or we offered Russell Wilson. It's not the deal that we or us did because Sean Payton wasn't there, right, right. And so the business of it is not a problem to me. But let's be honest, Sean Payton has behaved as a thug since he became the coach of the Denver Broncos. Immediately when he gets in the building, he starts to undercut Russell Wilson personally and professionally from his first press conference on. He tells Russell Wilson, you have to stop kissing babies. Stop behaving as if you're running for office. Nobody kissed more babies in New Orleans than Drew Brees. Mm. Period point, Blake. From the beginning, he walked into this building, and he had a point to prove when it came to Russell Wilson. You're going to be just like everybody else. I'm going to treat you just like I treat everyone else on the team. That's not the way it works with franchise quarterbacks. Right With a franchise quarterback, he's talked to differently. There are conversations instead of being talked at. You don't berate them on the sideline against the Detroit Lions because you don't agree with their play. We watched Sean Payton in... New Orleans for a decade and a half never treat his quarterback this way and so now as you move through and you hear about the phone call you hear about talking to his representatives about starting about restructuring or doing whatever they wanted him to do to the contract. This was just a means to an end for Sean Payton. This was going to happen at some point See, and I, it I, just and it I, just happened toward the end of the I, I don't think I don't believe there was a thing Russell Wilson could do to make Sean Payton like I him. Think I do think do. from a personality standpoint, Can it was I, a bad match. I think schematically it was a bad match, but my point is this. Yeah. My point is this. Let's hold Sean Payton to some sort of professional accountability. His behavior as the head coach of the Denver Broncos is unacceptable. If I'm the Walton family, I do not want somebody representing me this way. And I want to say this about Russell Wilson because Russell Wilson takes a hell of a lot of heat. Mm -hmm. The humility, that russell wilson has shown the professionalism that russell wilson has shown inside of that building while being treated that way by that man all i gotta say to sean Payton is you lucky you had the right one Mm -hmm.
1: i know a lot of people are sitting there thinking why would i show this clip why would you listen to this clip and what does this have to do with anything well if you do not know russell wilson has been benched and it it Things are heating up over in Denver. It looks like Russell Wilson may even be dropped as early as this offseason and, and be, the Broncos might move on from him. And so I found that clip to be pretty interesting because I I have my own shot thoughts on Sean Payton. I have been somewhat vocal on the show about Sean Payton and what I think of him. But what do you guys think about this whole Denver situation? Do you think that what Ryan Clark had said in that clip holds any validity? And where do you hold Sean Payton as far as is this the right move or the wrong move for the for the Denver organization?
2: I think that um, what was stated there, one thing in particular that really resonates with me and something that I think is probably pretty obvious to anyone who's been, you know, was forced to watch the Broncos at all this season, is uh, the personality mismatch is significant, right? Where you have Sean Payton, who's kind of this hard-nosed, general-type guy, and Russell Wilson, who, let's be honest, you know, he is is humble and, you know, he seems like a a perfectly nice guy, also seems like kind of a weirdo and seems like someone who might not embody – the same sort of mentality that Sean Payton, the Sean Payton brings to the table. When you compare him to someone like Drew Brees, right? Drew Brees is a true professional, and yeah, he was kissing babies, which, by the way, we should not say the phrase kissing babies anymore. I, if I got a baby, I don't want you walking up and kissing it, no matter who you are. But if uh, you know, he was a true professional, uh, but he was winning them games and he was, he was a vocal leader in sort of a professional way. And you don't get that vibe from Russell Wilson. And by the way, he hasn't really been winning games. So I think if Sean Payton showed up, he could deal with the personality disparity. If the Broncos were able to find a lot of success, but because they haven't found success, that just compounds all the difficulties that arise from their difference in personality.
0: Yeah, and before this whole Russell Wilson situation boiled over, I thought of Sean Payton as a, he got lucky because he had Drew Brees. I don't think if he, if he didn't have Drew Brees in New Orleans, you don't, we aren't talking about Sean Payton anymore. He's probably retired and he's off into the sunset type of thing. But what really threw me off with Sean Payton was the fact that they approached Russell Wilson after they had just beat the Chiefs in October. Basically saying, hey, if you don't negotiate your contract, we're gonna have to do something we're gonna have to bench you so russell wilson you know they they're in contention they just beat the super bowl team in october there's still a lot of games to be played and if you are a superstar quarterback like russell wilson and you're trying to lead your team to the playoffs still or win the afc west at that point that's a huge slap in the face like that's like that's like going to jalen hurts in the middle of the season and saying hey we just beat the 49ers. We don't like your contract. Can you renew or can you renegotiate or else we're going to bench you. Like you don't do that to your starting quarterback.
1: Yeah, it, I it, I have thought Sean Payton's a scumbag for a long time. I I mean I've said that. I've been very vocal about that. I think he's a scumbag piece of shit. I think he you look at what Sean Payton has done and I know that we're kind of joking about him being a scumbag, but I really do think that like he is a scummy person. Look at what Sean Payton did. Sean Payton saw the writing on the wall with the Saints. They were, they are still in cap space purgatory. He knew that he was going to have a bad team. And instead of him getting his name run through the mud because the team is not good, because they have no money to pay any players, he said, I'm going to retire. Deuces, I'm out. Because he saw the writing on the wall. Then he's like, you know what? Actually, I do want to coach. I do want to coach. But he's still in a contract with the Saints. So now the Saints have to... They want something in compensation for Sean Payton. The Broncos are in desperation mode because they just fired Nathaniel Hackett. They need somebody who can come in and clean this up. Sean Payton was the perfect guy for it. But the issue is is he left the Saints because he knew they were going to be. He's a selfish man. He is a selfish person. And I think this further shows that. And and I I understand that Cha- Sean Payton did not sign Russell Wilson. I get that. That was in Nathaniel Hackett era. That was under his arms and his franchise. And and it is a different franchise now. But you signed up for this. Sean Payton signed up to go to the Broncos. There were multiple different places Sean Payton could have went to go coach. He could have gone to the Cardinals. He could have gone to the Broncos as he did. There were He was interviewing for a couple different places, right? He chose to go to the Broncos. And now you're going to bench Russell Wilson who, look, I get it. Russell Wilson's not been a good quarterback this year. He hasn't looked great. But what are the other alternatives? I mean, seriously, like, what what are you hoping to get out of this? Because the Broncos don't have a top ten pick. Are they gonna? They don't have really any picks because they gave up so much to get Russell Wilson and Sean Payton. What's the move here? Do you really think that, like, if you let Russell Wilson go, do you think that your backup quarterback is going to give you any sort of shot to do anything better than Russell Wilson? I just I, I don't understand what the mentality is here. And like you mentioned, Yeti, and the thing that really frustrates me is the Broncos were winning. The Broncos beat the Chiefs who, yeah, the Chiefs haven't been as as competitive as they have been in years past, but the Chiefs have still, they're the Chiefs, right? And anytime you can get a win on the Chiefs, it's got to feel pretty damn good when Patrick Mahomes is the gunslinger back there. So they did that. They're in contention. And then you say, hey, sorry, bud, great job out there, but we're going to kick you to the curb here at the end of the season, and we're going to bench you if you take if you don't take a pay cut. Like, I don't know. I, I just, that doesn't sit well with me. And if you were a fan of the Broncos organization, this has got to be a little bit alarming. I I don't know.
2: Well, I, I don't know. I, I think throughout this conversation, we've given too much credit to Russ Wilson himself. Because like I said, he seems like a perfectly nice guy, but even when he was finding success in Seattle, he was doing so with the Legion of Boom. He was doing so averaging you know, 17 to 20 points a game. It's not like he was slinging it all over the field. And yeah, he was a little bit more mobile back then, but what we've seen out of Russell Wilson this year is pretty much what we've seen out of Russell Wilson for his entire career. It's not like he's been a complete game changer. He's always had an awesome defense to rely on, which is a great way to win championships. So, you know, to me, you look at Sean Payton. Sean Payton came in to be a wrecker of this organization. They needed that in the Broncos after last season, they needed someone to come in and say, okay, Russ, you're not getting your own office. Like we're not doing all this silly, stupid shit. We're going to get down to business. And the reason they're benching him, at least, you know, I'm not going to pretend like I'm an expert on this or I've read through all the fine print, but it seems to me that the reason they're benching him is because of, you know, they want to get rid of him, obviously. And they'll owe him a whole bunch of money. If he ends up getting injured, we we saw the same thing last year. Who, Who was the quarterback last year that got benched for the same reason? Um, I'm drawing a blank now. But the, we we saw the we saw the same thing out of a quarterback last year as well. Uh probably where, Jimmy G. Yeah, maybe I don't remember. But either way, I mean they they're benching him for that reason. If he ends up going out and tearing his ACL, now all of a sudden they owe him 40 million dollars if they want to get rid of him and obviously they don't want to do that. So to me this is a business decision and it's part and parcel with why they brought Sean Payton in to take control of the organization. You know, it really it really doesn't it really doesn't make me that angry.
0: The only thing I'll, I'll counter your point to, Scotty, is I, I don't think Russell Wilson has been necessarily bad this season. No, he hasn't done so, any, anything special, right? But And I know stats don't tell the full story, but if we look at his career stats of this year compared to the past four or five years, he was having by far the best year of the past four or five years, which is not saying a lot, right? Because he's getting older and everything. I understand that. But this team around him is just not built for success. And I think Russ is getting thrown under the bus just because him and Sean Payne don't mesh. He's not that pocket passer quarterback like drew is, and Russ really relied on his legs when he was younger in Seattle. So it should, I I hate that Russell Wilson is getting thrown under the bus for the organizational mistakes that Denver's made as a whole over the past two seasons, three seasons.
1: Let me ask you this before we move on to uh, Justin Fields and that conversation.
0: If Russell Wilson
1: is let go and he is cut in the offseason, what are, what are your guys' thoughts on him as a starting quarterback somewhere else? Is that 100% absolute guarantee that, that we think he could start somewhere else and still be effective for a team? Or has he kind of entered that Jimmy G era where he's kind of like a filler guy who may or may not have some value, but ultimately we know what he is?
0: I might have tipped my hand here when I said that Russell Wilson's serviceable or he's having a good season or he was having a good season. But I, I do think he can go to a contender and make them a legitimate team. Um, look at the Steelers. This is a team that is currently nine and seven, and they are nine and seven with who Mason Rudolph, Kenny Pickett. Like I think Russell Wilson is better than both of those guys combined. And if you throw Russell Wilson into that team, they might be they might have clinched a spot by now. They should have won 11 games when you add Russell Wilson to that team. And I think they'd be silly not to go and get him in the offseason, especially with their draft pick going to be, you know, in the 20s or 30s or 20s, I should say.
2: Yeah, I mean I t- I tend to think I tend to agree. I mean, you, you can't sit here and guarantee that a team's going to want to pick him up, but sure. you can you can name a couple teams off the top of your head. The Falcons, like you said the Steelers, like there are a couple teams you throw him in, the Jets, <laughs> and he automatically makes that team significantly better. So, as long as you can say that about a player, then they definitely have an opportunity to start in the league.
1: All right, let's go over to Justin Fields. We're talking about quarterbacks. We're talking about the future of some of these quarterbacks. Justin Fields has been a hot commodity these last couple weeks. And really, this last week, things have really started to heat up for the conversation around Justin Fields. The reason being, of course, is the Bears have the number one overall pick in this upcoming draft due to Carolina's trade. I've gone back and forth on this. I, I feel somewhat validated because I was saying this a couple weeks ago, and I kind of told you guys this a little bit earlier, but... Um, there. Something that really, really impressed me, and I want to show you guys this, and I'm sorry for those of you listening on a podcast because this is not nearly as exciting as it is to just listen to it, but there's a clip. I watched this uh, the Bears game. I was in an airport. I was watching the game in Chicago, and Justin Fields had a scramble that I really want to show you guys, so I'm going to pull it up here.
0: Fields pressured immediately. Athleticism escapes that
1: one.
3: Fields, are you kidding me? Has the first down and scoots out of bounds. The man
1: insane it was an insane scramble like I said for anybody listening to the podcast I'm so sorry but it was Justin Fields was scrambling he scrambled he should have been sacked he broke out of a sack he ran for 10 yards I'm sure you've seen the clip it's all over the place this week but what you don't see at the end of this clip and what something that really stood out to me was everybody was hyped that entire Bears team because he ran to the Bears sideline that whole team was hyped they're running up to him they're hitting him on the shoulders they're screaming they're all hyped up and I was watching Justin Fields And what you don't see is Justin Fields just shows no emotion. He's not screaming. He's not hype. He looks like this is my job. He walks back to the huddle, and he keeps going. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, this dude should have been sacked, right? He wasn't sacked. He ran. He got the first down. It was an incredible play, and it was all done by him and nobody else. I was hyped sitting there watching the play, and I'm not Justin Fields. And for him to just go in there and be that stoic person and be that stoic leader – I was really impressed with that. And it got me thinking about his future and how much controversy he has faced really these last few years with the Bears organization. And it made me respect Justin Fields a lot more than than maybe I had given him credit for previously. And the reason being is Everybody, the entire NFL community is sitting there saying, should they move on from Justin Fields? Should they not? And you do not see him panicking. You do not see him throwing a fit. You do not see him saying anything bad about the Bears organization. He has been a very composed, mature adult about the entire situation. And I I can't help but just give a little bit more respect to this man because I I personally do think Justin Fields should be the, the future for the Bears organization. I know that they have the first overall pick. But I what do you what do the Bears do, right? And that's that's a conversation I, I kind of want to go to and I want to pick your guys' brains on. So I'm gonna pull up this graphic here and I'll read it off for everybody. But the Bears organization, like I mentioned, they do have the first overall pick, right? So they've got the Panthers first overall pick, and then they have Washington, or, and then we have Washington, New England, and Arizona. So that's one, two, three, four, right? So that's the first four picks currently in the NFL draft. I was saying this a few weeks ago. What the Bears need to do is this: they need to start a bidding war between Washington and New England. Okay, and this is just my hypothesis. So at the end, you tell me you you rate my draft here. They need to start a bidding war between New England and Washington, or maybe even the Giants. But you should really target New England and Washington because they have the two and the three. Okay, start a bidding war between them because both those teams have shown that they want a quarterback. Okay, so you get their second or third pick, you get their first round pick next year, you get a little bit of ancillary little sprinkle on top with a second round pick as well, or maybe a, a, an ancillary piece. Let them draft a quarterback, whether that be Drake May, Caleb Williams is the talk of the town, whatever quarterback it is that's going to go first overall, it's probably going to be Caleb Williams. It, 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 that's the projections, right? Then you have the two or the three. Okay, you draft Marvin Harrison, or neighbors. You get a wide receiver. So then you have DJ Moore and you have a stud, very athletic wide receiver. And then with the 10th overall pick, you can either bolster your offensive line or you can get another defensive piece and you really go all in on Justin Fields. That's what I think the Bears organization should do. I think Bears fans are kind of at that, have come to that conclusion themselves. I know some people want to move on from him. I don't think he's the problem. My concern is this. Matt Eberflus, the head coach for the Bears. And I've said this before, and I will say it again. I am concerned that Matt Eberflus will want to draft a quarterback to try and save his own career. Because I don't think he's a good coach. I think he wants to continue his tenure as the Bears head coach. And what better way to do that than throw the blame on someone else and say you're going to start over again with a new quarterback and a new shiny toy and buy yourself some more time. What are your guys' thoughts?
0: Yeah, I'm kind of conflicted because I love Justin Fields, but I hate Eberflus. And the success that the Bears have been having over the past five, six games has been directly tied to Justin Fields, but it also means that Eberflus is not going to get fired this season because they're sure. winning games when they probably shouldn't be. But if you look at the Bears, they are 7-9 and nine right now. Um, if you look at their losses or <clears throat> just their scores in general, they are 2-5 and five in one-possession games. If they would have won two more of those games, you know, if they would have gone uh four and three, basically in one possession games, they're sitting at nine and seven and they clinch a wild card spot already at this point. So we'd be having a completely different conversation. Like Justin Fields being traded wouldn't even be up in the air right now. So with all that being said, I think they would be silly to trade Justin Fields for what, a second or a third round pick because he is on a rookie contract, which we've talked about. He has one year left on his contract after this season. So a team that would trade for him would basically get a steal. Like if the Raiders, my team, if they traded for Justin Fields for a second round pick, I would take that all day. But when you're looking at the value of a first pick, the first overall pick, we've seen top three picks get traded um, over the past couple seasons, notably last year. The Bears, right? They traded Carolina, uh, the number one pick. In return, they got D.J. Moore, the 2023 first, uh, second last year. They got the first pick this year, and then the 2025 second. But we've also seen this a couple years ago with the Trey Lance trade uh, from three first round uh, picks. yeah, Miami to San Francisco. The Dolphins traded the number three pick, so not the number one, but the number three and they got 2021, 2022, and 2023 first round pick. So you're potentially talking about the Bears getting at least two first round picks in addition to several other picks, which sounds a lot more. And I know we're not playing Dynasty, but the value leans on keeping Justin Fields, right, and trading that first overall pick. And then, you know, they have Justin Fields for one more year on his contract. If they want to resign him, Great, but if not, they'll have two first round picks next year, including their own. So they could potentially look to move on next year if Justin Fields does not have success with a rookie wide receiver and DJ Moore. Do you go ahead, Scotty?
2: Well I was just I was going to 100% agree. I mean this is something that we've talked about before and I think we've all kind of been on the same page on this is that you you keep Justin Fields. I mean this this clip illustrates it perfectly. When you're watching this clip, you know, how many quarterbacks can you think of that can make that play over the last 10 years, right? Maybe four come to mind. Uh you know, you're you're, you're talking about Justin Fields, Lamar Jackson, you know Zach Cam Wilson. Newton and Michael Vick, <laughs> yeah, Zach Wilson, depending on if he wears a headband, um, but but yeah, I mean that it's an astonishing play. You see the talent that this guy has, um, so to me going to what Yeti said, it makes perfect sense to try and trade that first-round pick, solidify Justin Fields for one more year, and then you have another out next year. It doesn't make sense to just trade him away right now. And the other thing on Iberflus, because you know we can say, okay, the Bears started winning games, and that's because of Justin Fields, and now Iberflus is getting the credit. Another big part of why they're winning games is because this defense has ratcheted up. Matt Iberflus is a defensive coach, so to me, I'm looking at the offensive coordinator. I'm looking at Luke Getze, and I'm saying, hey, we need to replace Luke Getze. Maybe Iberflus takes more of a, a step back and focuses entirely on the defense lets a new young offensive coordinator come in and and put his thoughts to paper but to me you know it makes perfect sense to keep justin fields trade that first pick and and just bring in a hall to set your organization up for the next five ten years
1: and that's that's a really good point. Is you mentioned that Ibrahulus is a defensive coach, and their defense hasn't been terrible. They they've certainly gotten better, I think, as the as the season has gone on. And, and if you get some more pieces around there, what could that defense really become? So, I, it's a good point. Maybe Lou Gattis needs to go. I, I think very clearly this offense is not clicking nearly as well as the Bears want it to. At times, it looks dilapidated. It looks like it's it's not complete, and you're not utilizing the talents that are Justin Fields properly. So. I, I think the Bears should keep Justin Fields. I think we're all kind of in that, that, uh, that mentality, and, and I think we should be. I think Justin Fields is a lot better quarterback than people give him credit for, and I would like to see him stay with the Bears, and I would like to see them build around him and utilize his skill sets properly. And that is all that I have on Justin Fields. Let's talk about Arthur Smith, Scotty.
2: <laughs> I know you love talking about mm, Arthur Smith. Love it. Yeah, I just wanted to touch on the Falcons' situation here, and we're going to get more in-depth with the uh, the playoff situations uh, with Yeti segment coming up, but I just wanted to touch on this. Um, the Falcons can still technically make the playoffs as of right now, which theoretically would save Arthur Smith's job. All they have to do is they, they need Tampa Bay to lose to the Panthers, which – You know, yikes on that front. That seems like it's not going to happen. And then the Falcons also have to beat the saints coming off of one of their best games of the season, which also seems like, you know, a a pretty far long shot. Um, if they manage both, if those both those things happen as unlikely as they be, they will be just the seventh team in NFL history to make the postseason with a losing record, which tells you the state of the division. Um, my opinion Arthur Smith is done. I think we've been talking about it all season. We want him gone uh, for a whole lot of reasons, many of Hell which are fantasy related, but we you know, we want Arthur Smith gone. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. It would take a miracle for that to happen. I think Arthur Smith is done. And I know Hunter, you obviously agree with that, but Yeti, you see, you're you're the more rational person here on this podcast. What? I wanted to pick your brain.
0: <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I I agree with you, Scotty. I think We have seen enough of Arthur Smith over the past three seasons. Um, Over the first, so in 2021 and 2022, the Falcons have finished both 7 and 10 in in both seasons. If they lose this week, they will finish 7 and 10 for a third straight year. And I think that we've seen what we we need to from Arthur Smith. There's no progression in this offense which is crazy. I just want um, to pause it, you
2: for a second. It's crazy yeah. to think about that. Think of the weapons that they've added on this team. They've bolstered the offensive line. Their defense has made a lot of improvements, added Kyle Pitts, added Drake London, added Bijan Robinson, and they're in the exact same position. That's crazy.
0: And they have a top 10 defense right now, if you look at it from a scoring perspective. They have a top 10 defense, and they're sitting at 7-9 and nine in the worst conference or the worst division in the NFL. Which says all that you that that speaks volumes wow. right there. So I agree. Arthur Smith needs to be left in um, <laughs> New Orleans. I think they're playing in New Orleans, hopefully. Um, if not, leave him in the street in Atlanta, let Atlanta beat him up. Um, but you look at the future of this Falcons team, I think it's bright without Arthur Smith. They have a top 10 pick as of right now. They're sitting at number nine in the draft order, so they're sitting pretty, and they don't really need anything on the offensive, offensive side of the ball except the quarterback, right? We, we know that very clearly, but there's going to be a, a plethora of free agent quarterbacks uh, with Russell Wilson, Kirk with Cousins. Kirk Cousins, potentially Geno Smith. Um, I'm not saying those guys are going to be the answer, but they could be relatively cheaper options than getting a a quarterback in the first round because they would likely have to trade up unless somebody like, I don't know, Jaden Daniels. What if he falls to Atlanta at the number nine pick? That would be very attractive, right? So I think this team is going to be one of those dark horse teams going into the next season, rightfully so, without Arthur Smith. I, I got, I hope we're right. Gentlemen,
1: we were talking about, we've been talking about Arthur Smith all season. I hate that man. I've referred to him as the janitor. And I think that's what his career path should be, uh, going back to because he was the janitor for the Falcons and he fiddle fucked his way into the head coaching job but he does not belong there he is a terrible coach and it has shown all season long my biggest fear was they were going to make the playoffs and that was going to solidify him and buy him more time thankfully it sounds like uh, that might not be the case anymore and I'm all there for it so I'm pretty excited about it screw you Arthur Smith you uh, have ruined Bajan Robinson's rookie year and I think you're a scumbag
2: Yeah, we're going to continue this episode, which is basically Hunter's Wet dream of of a podcast, uh, <laughs> and move on from Arthur Smith and talk about the Cardinals' victory over the Eagles. Now, when I wrote this on the show notes, I put the Cardinals stun the Eagles, but with the state of the Eagles' offense and, of course, the state of their defense all season, is it is it really stunning? I mean, at this point, and the Chiefs are yes. in the same boat, so I, I feel like I can I feel like I can talk about this a little bit. Where you know, the Eagles are obviously a good team; they have a lot of good weapons, but with they've been with the way they've been playing are we surprised that any team beats them? I mean, any any team has potential to beat the Eagles, and I feel the same way about the Chiefs. Any team has potential to win that game. We always say any given Sunday, but it seems particularly true with the Eagles this year. So just to talk about this a little bit. Um, This season, Jalen Hurts now, after the loss to the Cardinals, has six games in 2023 with under 200 passing yards, which seems ridiculous, especially after the season he had last year. Um, The Eagles lost four of their last six games since Nick Sirianni screamed, see ya, after beating the Chiefs, which that feels particularly good for me to say. Um, Since Matt Patricia has taken over defensive play calling the last three games, the Eagles have given up 80 points. And 60 of those points were scored by the Cardinals and the Giants with Tommy DeVito and Tyrod Taylor. Um, They're in a rough spot right now. And I was reading this article. So uh, Johnny Page, I don't know if that's a screen name or not. sounds like it might be. Uh, But he uh, he contributes to SB Nation, uh, specifically for the Eagles side of the website. And he described this as the worst defensive performance I've ever studied. And just to put this in perspective, the Cardinals punted the ball zero times. They uh, had over 449 yards of total offense, 228 passing yards, 221 rushing yards, 32 first downs, which is almost half of their offensive snaps. Almost half of their offensive snaps resulted in first downs. And then they controlled the ball, 72 plays to Phillies, 47 plays. The Cardinals just flat out beat the Eagles. And, again, at this point, it's hard to be surprised when the Eagles lose at all to anyone.
1: This is my Super Bowl. This was my Super Bowl, gentlemen. The Cardinals, I'm a Cardinals fan. For all you Brainiacs out there that did not know, I've said that anytime the Cardinals win, I will hang the flag behind me. I will hang it up. Uh, I went and put the the flag on the flagpole outside because I was so damn excited. So unfortunately, it didn't make it in the, the room for the show, but... There, you know, I could not believe this was the case because the Cardinals have been one of the worst NFL teams all season long. We've missed Kyler Murray. He's been gone for a while. He came back, and he's kind of struggled in this new offense. It hasn't looked great. Our, our team really hasn't been that good. So when I'm sitting in the airport trying not to scream and run around and embarrass myself, I could not believe that the Cardinals had uh, – We were. it was a very competitive game. I mean, it was back and forth as far as the points on the board and – when we came away with the win, I was just, I couldn't believe it because the Eagles are, they should be a good team. They prototypically are a good team and they really haven't been playing good football recently. So uh, there's a couple things that I think could kind of maybe contribute to why the Cardinals won this game. Um, it kind of, it, it's a double edged sword because I want the Cardinals to be bad so we have better draft capital. And so the, us winning this game did us no favors as far as we've dropped down just a little bit. We still have the fourth overall pick. So not the end of the world, but, you know, it is what it is. I think Jonathan Gannon, I think he is the Michael Scott of NFL head coaches. I think he is an awkward dude. I don't think he is uh he doesn't give off the vibes of being a very stoic great leader like you you kind of want out of some of the a, a lot of your head coaches. But let's not forget that he was a defensive coordinator for the Eagles last year, you know? And there's still a lot of the same personnel on that offensive side of the ball. I'm sure he's studied the Eagles offense quite a bit and he knows the ins and out of that offense. And yes, the offense has changed a little bit. I think we can all agree on that because Shane Steichen is no longer around, but you still have a lot of the same players. You know, a lot of the same elements of this offense, and you can probably scheme up a way to try and stop him. And I think while it was kind of an offensive shootout, maybe that could contribute to some of the reasons that the Cardinals won this game. I don't know, but I was happy with it regardless.
0: Yeah. And I don't think, I mean, the Cardinals did just outplay Philadelphia, but if you look at Philadelphia's defense over the past six games, they're giving up on average 31 and a half points, 31 and a half points. That defense is just flat out roasted at this point. Um, I know they, they lost their defensive coordinator, but if you look at their guys, I think it's just a lack of effort at this point because we've talked about this defense at, at the beginning of the season. They looked good. Their rush defense was stout. Nobody could run on them. But, man, I, I feel like the D-line has just given up on the run. They they can't stop anybody on the ground. And they're trying to – they have good pass rushers, but they can't rush a passer when their secondary is trash. Uh, Bradbury's – taking a step back who was one of their best dbs last year they've been without darius slay for a couple games but i think even without or with darius slay that defense which is struggling and jalen hurts we know he hasn't been right all season i don't know if he's hurt i'm not going to use that as an excuse but this whole offense has just fallen off the face of the earth after aj brown went on that incredible run where where has he gone He's, he went from averaging 112 yards a game through his breakout to averaging less than 60 yards per game afterwards. So what is going on? And now we have controversy in the locker room about A.J. Smith or AJ Brown being a cancer in the locker room. He's dividing everybody. Man, this team just feels like it's a dumpster fire at this point. And going into the playoffs, that is the last place you want to be.
1: I couldn't agree with you more. I did see the AJ Brown thing today, and it was it was almost comical. And I was like, golly, like the, the Eagles are their own worst enemy right now, it seems like. And I agree. I mean, Jalen Hurts hasn't looked good all I don't want to say he's been terrible because for fantasy football, he's been great. But, you know, you watch him on the field and you're like, man, like if it, if you took all the tush pushes out of fantasy football, what is his true numbers? And that's something that I think a lot of people really aren't talking about or looking at, but I think that, that garners some conversation. Hasn't been a good look for him. The Eagles this year, I think everybody coming out of the they're still a good team, but I don't think they're a great team, and I don't think they're going to make it all the way.
2: Yeah, I mean, at the beginning of the season, at the very least, you know, our, our own Matthew Kay Ann wrote that article uh, toward the beginning of the season talking about how, you know, the Eagles are winning games, but look at Jalen Hurts. He just doesn't look, he doesn't pass the eye test like he did last season. And that has really come to fruition. And the difference now is, you know, they went from winning these tight games, whether the game should have been tight or not, they went from winning them to now getting blown out or, or dominated by the Arizona Cardinals. And that is a, a, a massive cliff that they've fallen off. So, you know, at the end of the day, You get to the playoffs, anything can happen. We know that this team is capable of putting up a lot of good numbers, um, and ultimately their offense has to turn it around because, as Yeti said, their defense, you know, their their run defense started out okay, but their secondary has been bad all season long, and now without the support of their run defense, uh, it's just that that offense is going to have to put up 40 points a game to compete with these high-level teams.
1: could agree more. Go Cardinals. Yeti, why don't you uh,
0: give us a little bit of a playoff scenario here and kick us off with the NFC North. Yeah, man. So we uh, recapped all of Week 17. Now we need to just dive right into Week 18 because, boy, there's a lot of games that have uh, playoff implications on the line. So uh, we're going to start up north, King of the North, NFC North, baby. Um, We have the Lions. Uh, They have clinched, obviously. Um, but their seeding is still kind of up in the air. They could be the two seed if they win um, and if the Cowboys lose. Um, but they could fall to the three seed if they lose this, if the Lions lose this week. So just pay attention to that. Um, but what really interests me are the Packers and the Vikings. So both of these teams could potentially earn a wild card spot. One, is, one has a little easier path, though. Um, the Packers, all they need to do this week is win. They need to beat the Chicago Bears. Well, don't they own the Bears, or is that just Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, yeah, you know, supposedly the Packers do own the Bears, so we will see about that, man. I think this game is going to be fun. Um, I'll have have a question here for you guys here in a second, Um, but the next team I want to talk about in the North are the Vikings. Uh, They can earn a wild card spot with a win, plus – they, they need a little bit of luck, guys. They need Green Bay, Seattle, and Tampa Bay to lose. So they, they're kind of fighting an uphill battle. Um, but there's still a chance. So there's who knows? Um, so my question to you guys about the North is, do you think the Lions are a legit Super Bowl team? No. I think I think they're a playoff team.
1: I think they are, they have 100, and obviously they've earned themselves that, that spot. They are a good team. Do I think they are a Super Bowl winning team? I don't think so. I don't. I, I love the Lions. I love Dan Campbell. I have been a supporter of them all season long, but if I had to put my realistic hat on for a second and look at this team, there's a lot of things that kind of scare me a little bit. The Lions at times are inconsistent. That is a, a huge concern for me. The play calling. I, I I love it when there's no when there's nothing on the line and it's a regular, you know, week eight game and they just want to win. I, I love it. I think it's great. But I, that concerns me. Are you going to go for it three times and try and go for two like you did last week? Are you going to punt it or, or are you going to go for it on your own 30 yard line? Like these are the things that I, are compounding that make me a little concerned is the the play calling is one thing. But I also look at the talent. I don't think they're there yet, but I think they're close. I really do think they are close to potentially being a Super Bowl contending team, but I don't think this current roster is going to win at all.
2: See, I I think they have as good a shot as anybody in the NFC. You look around at the teams in the NFC and there isn't a single team that hasn't dropped a bunch of games or looked completely human at some point this season. And that's just, that's just the way that it is. And the lions obviously have their deficiencies. Their defense has struggled all season. Jared Goff, when he has to be, you know, any, any, (laughs) any lower temperature than 78 degrees and Jared Goff forgets how to play football. But, you know they have those weaknesses, but they've also shown they can compete with the best of them. And you know, look around at at Dallas, and they're kind of fraudulent. And obviously, San Francisco's dropped a couple games that you know were worrisome. Um, the Eagles look rough. I mean, th- there's just not a single team in the NFC that I'm looking at and saying they are the definitive, the, the definitive favorites at this point in time. Obviously, San Francisco's got the highest the highest regard on that front. But but still, I mean, anything could happen, especially in the NFC in 2023.
0: Yeah, yeah, and the the Lions' path to success is really going to depend on this next division in the NFC East. So, Dallas they can clinch the NFC East with a win over Washington. Um or Philadelphia can win the East with a win and a Dallas loss. So the the loser of the East would get the five seed and they would get a matchup with the nfc south winner so that's you almost kind of don't want to win the nfc east because or the yeah nfc east because uh i feel like the the buccaneers or the saints or the falcons would be a lot better matchup than going up against the rams in my opinion
1: well, uh, I, I sorry to cut you off here. I do think Dallas is gonna win the NFC East. All they have to do is beat the Commanders, and I don't think that's a difficult objective for the Dallas the way they've been playing. I think Dallas wins the East. Which I think is I'm I'm happy with it because I do want them to, to play the Rams and I want it to be a very difficult competitive game and I do want Dallas to lose.
0: Yeah. You know what <clears throat> would be a fun situation is if the Lions get the well, never mind. I was going to say the Lions could face the five seed, but never mind. They they can't. Damn, I kind of cucked myself there. Mm. Huh? Damn. Hate, hate to when see you it. Cuck yourself, man. Oh, ah, here. Anyway, uh, speaking of the NFC South, that division is still wide fucking open week eighteen. <laughs> so the Buccaneers can win this division with with a simple win over Carolina. Great. That sounds easy, but Carolina's going to find a way to fuck fuck around and beat tampa bay watch um but the falcons can also win the south with a win and a tampa bay loss or the saints could win the south with a win and a tampa bay loss so do you think this do you think the south is pretty much locked up with the bucks winning or what what do you guys want to see happen there in the south i'd like to see the whole division (laughs)
1: implode i mean (laughs) if if you you, (laughs) Go
2: ahead. If you would have asked me that question last week, I'd say yeah, the Bucks have it, because they looked incredible for the last like four games. And then they got demolished by the Saints, who played the best game of the season against them. And that obviously raises a lot of questions. But ultimately, you gotta give it like an eighty five to ninety percent chance that the Bucks are gonna take it.
1: I I agree with Scotty. I I I don't wanna Anything can happen, right? And the Panthers have done some crazy shit. They beat the Falcons, and I didn't think the Carolina Panthers had a starting NFL roster. I thought it was a bunch of high schoolers. So, yeah, anything can happen. But I do think that the Buccaneers are probably going to win that game, and they will secure the NFC South. And I I probably – I would – given all the teams in the NFC South, the Bucs are probably the one I'd like to see go to the playoffs just to, you know, a fuck around and find out game and what did they have to lose kind of mentality. So
0: I'd be okay with the Bucs. So in the NFC, if everything goes according to plan, at least the leather brains plan, we'll have the 49ers at one with the bye. We'll have the Cowboys at two. We'll have the Lions at three. We'll have um, the Buccaneers at four, the Eagles at five, and the Rams at six with Green Bay at seven. Um, do you guys think that the Buccaneers could pull off an upset and beat the Eagles in the first round matchup?
1: Like I said, if they go in with the mentality of what do they have to lose, and they come in guns a blazing, yeah, I think the Cardinals may have showed a little bit of a blueprint as far as what they need to do. Now, whether they have the the ability to do that is is that's the question. Any given Sunday, especially in the year twenty twenty three or now twenty twenty four rather, uh, it, it's been it, it's been a shit show of a season across the board for every NFL team. There are only like the Ravens and the Forty Nine ers are really the only two teams that I feel confident. Can go in and do a really good job and beat a team and and do it handily. Everybody else, it's a coin flip every single week. Do I think that the Eagles should win that game? Absolutely, but who knows what the hell's what the hell could happen? So I, I'm there for it.
2: I, if we see the if we see the Bucks come in and handle business like they should against the Panthers, um, I think I would bet on the Bucs to beat the Eagles. And the reason for That's that crazy. is you look at this Bucks offense and you see Baker Mayfield's been playing out of his mind. Rashad White really turned around his season halfway through the year. You've got Mike Evans, you've got Chris Godwin, and you've got all these weapons facing an Eagles defense that doesn't seem like they're interested in playing defense at all. And at that point in time, you also have to add in that the Eagles are obviously struggling on offense and the Bucks defense is healthier now than they've been all season. Is Baker Mayfield Tom Brady?
1: Hmm.
2: That's a the question. That question. sounds like a That, that sounds like uh, a whole conversation in of question. itself.
1: All right, so we're in on the Bucks winning the NFC South. Is that fair to say?
0: Yep. Okay. Yep. And what so. about
1: the uh we got to go to the AFC South, do we not?
0: Yeah, we we got to flip to the AFC now, boys. Uh the AFC is a little more simple. Um and the AFC South, Jacksonville, they just need to beat Tennessee on Sunday, which who knows what Mike Vrabel has up his sleeves? We know he's going to have those boys fired up, and anything can happen, especially if sunshine is out. But I think the game that really interests me in the AFC South is Indianapolis versus Houston on Saturday night.
2: It's the Coach of the Year. You win, oh, yeah, it yeah. is
0: <laughs> Coach of the Year Bowl. You have a win, and you're in situation. So, um, who do you guys have in Indy versus Houston? It's got to be. It's got to be the Colts for me.
1: To be honest with you, I think I I would like to see Houston win this game, but I think that Tank Dell being gone, their their wide receivers are banged up. C.J. Stroud has not. He's I, is he even back? Did he play? I didn't get to watch last week because I was traveling. Yep. So, um, I,
2: yeah,
1: I think Houston is in a really good spot. Is a young team that has a lot of talent and they are an up and coming team but I think the Colts are already almost there this is shaping out to be the AFC South is going to be a tough division I think for years to come which is exciting I'm I'm excited for that because historically these teams have kind of been meh and and it's been a very clear as far as who the good teams are in the AFC and who the ba- AFC South and who the bad teams are in the AFC South are I'm here for the Colts man I think that that they are going to go all the way um in this game anyway but Either way, I've circled this game as my game of the week already. I'm very excited for it.
2: Yeah, it's gonna be good either way. I it, it's it's a cop out answer, but this is a coin flip game to me. You gotta pick um, one, Scotty. I, I think if I have to choose, I'm going to go with C.J. Stroud. Um, I'm going with Houston because of how awesome he's played all season. I think if anyone can pull out a crazy game for a playoff spot, C.J. Stroud has proven that he he can be that guy. But obviously they've lost some key pieces. Houston is in a tough spot compared to where they were even just a few weeks ago. Um, but ultimately, I, if I had to choose between Gardner Minshew as much as I love him, uh, I think C.J. Stroud has potential to be a real superstar quarterback in this league, and we might see a little twinkling of that this week.
0: You know a team that doesn't want either of these teams to win? Do you guys know who that would be? I don't. The Pittsburgh Steelers. So the Steelers, they still have a, a slim chance of clinching a wild card spot there at 9 and uh, 7. All they have to do this week, they they have to beat the Ravens. That's easy, right? Yeah, um and then yeah, they need a loss by either Buffalo or Jacksonville. Or Houston and Indy to end in a tie. So Steelers <laughs> fans are over there just praying. Dude, it ain't. Steelers are out. <laughs> Sorry, Mike Tomlin, but your
1: your yeah. season your season with Morgan Wallen is over. Yeti, are you taking yeah. the Colts? or Are you taking the Texans?
0: Um, I'm gonna roll with the Colts here. Um, I like the Colts at home. Um, don't get me wrong. I love both of these teams, but I think when you have Indy at home, it's a night game. It's going to be prime time. I, I think the Colts are better suited uh, for this type of game, just the way that they've looked recently. And not that the Texans have looked bad, but I think that the Colts are they are just a well-oiled machine on both sides of the ball. Um, they can beat you on the ground with Jonathan Taylor, who's finally healthy, and he's looking good. Uh, Gardner Minshew can fucking sling it. And I, I think this game would have been – I would have leaned Houston more if Tank Dell was in. Um, Mm. Tank Dell being out kind of, I think, hurts that offense quite a bit. So I'm going with Indy. I love both of these guys, but Indy's got my heart this week. Um, But the last game, which I think is potentially the game of the week uh, in the AFC East, guys, we have the Bills versus Miami. And that is going to be a Sunday night game. They got flexed a Sunday night because of the implications this game has. Uh, the Bills or Miami can win the AFC East with a win, obviously. Um, but the crazy thing is is that the Bills can either win and be a two-seed or they can miss a playoffs with the loss. <laughs> that's so wild. Yeah, that's that's wild. I mean, that as, a, fucking as a 10-win team, you could potentially miss a playoffs. But... In the NFC, you have a team that's going to have nine wins, winning a fucking division. So. You might have a team, yeah, you might have a team with a losing record make the playoffs this year.
1: Yep. So yeah, just look at the draw, right? Well, uh, who do we have then? I mean, let's let's talk. That's a big question. It. This is a huge, and we'll start with
0: you, Yeti. You're the guy who's reading off the AFC East here. Who's going to win this game? I think this game is pretty clear to me um, that Buffalo is going to win. I know this game is in Miami, but if you look at what Miami has lost on defense, and I don't even know if Waddle's is playing this week. I think he's so questionable with his ankle. Miami has lost so much on the on defense, and they just lost their best pass rusher with three minutes left in a meaninglessly meaningless game last week, which sucks. Um, And Tua, he's never beaten Buffalo. I think, well, he's beaten them once in his career, and I don't think they can get it done this week. Uh, Buffalo just looks like a well-oiled machine since they uh, fired their old offensive coordinator. Joe Brady has Josh Allen playing like a lunatic back there, which I'd love to see. Um, We've seen James Cook kind of blow up. I I just don't think teams want to play Buffalo right now, and uh, I can't wait for them to get the two seed.
2: It's crazy how full circle we've come. How many weeks ago did we say that we were writing off Buffalo completely? <laughs> like, yeah. like it wasn't that I, long ago. <laughs>
1: welcome to the NFL season this year. I mean, that is that is where we have been. It's like teams look terrible, and then they they have a revival, and then they're terrible again, and then they lose some pieces, and they still figure a way out to get it done. I mean, it's just it's, it's across the board, and it's not just the Bills. It's every single NFL team this year has really been, aside from I think the 49ers and Ravens, have just been like, a, I have no fucking clue if we're going to go out and win this week. Good luck, guys. I can't wait to watch. and that that has been the mantra of every single NFL team this year. So, I also have the Bills winning this game. The Dolphins are have been fun to watch with Tyreek Hill, and and they have been a story all season long about how great they've been and how great they've done. But at the end of the day, I do think the Bills are going to come in and win this game, and uh, they they definitely. I I think we're going to see the elite Josh. You know, some weeks we see Josh Allen and he looks like uh, more like Kenny Pickett than Josh Allen, and some weeks we see Josh Allen come out and look like an absolute MVP superstar and I think that's the Josh Allen we're going to get this week.
2: Yeah, this is going to be a real test for the Dolphins for sure. I mean, for me they're still in fraud fraud territory. Obviously, we know what they can do. The question is can they do it consistently and can they keep Josh Allen out of the end zone? So, um I agree with you. I think I think I <laughs> If you had asked me this four or five weeks ago, I would have been like, wow, the Dolphins are going to run away with this. But now it really seems like all the momentum is with the Bills and with all the implications that they have. I think they're going to come out obviously firing and ready to go. So I I agree with you 100%.
0: So if everything goes according to plan, the AFC will look like this. The Ravens at the one seed with the bye. Two seed will be Buffalo. Three seed is KC. Four seed will be Jacksonville. Five are the Browns. Six would be um, Miami. And seven would be Indianapolis slash Houston? Um, So of these matchups, the potential first-round matchups, which one do you think would be the best? We would have the Bills versus um, the Colts or the Texans. We would have the Chiefs versus the Dolphins. And then we would have the Jaguars versus the Browns. Bros, (laughs) the Chiefs (laughs) Dolphins
1: probably for me. I I think just because the Chiefs have not looked like the Chiefs this pretty much this whole season, so I think that game could get really interesting. I I do think that the Chiefs should win that game, but I think it could be an actually a very competitive game, and that would be the between those games that you just read off. I think that one would be the one where I'd be like, man that is an interesting game and i could i could see the dolphins truly walking away with that
2: yeah 100% i mean i could actually see that game between you know you, you picture a, a, the, the dolphins offense this season and versus patrick mahomes and you picture oh god the the over is going to be 150 but you look at obviously the chiefs offense has been terrible this season and their defense has been stout and miami hasn't played very many really good defenses so you might end up seeing you know a a a 10 to 13 sort of game there and it could be a defensive showdown it would be really interesting
0: perhaps a 14 to 21 rematch from germany Mm, perhaps is that german
1: i think so i'm not Uh, sure i don't know
0: that sounded german we'll go with
2: it thank you i appreciate that i think i think it's hebrew
0: yeah it is
1: you're right. It is Sorry. Hebrew. Sorry to all of our there listeners. There can be some German culture, <laughs> some German Hebrews.
2: Yeah, there are a lot of them, actually. Yeah.
1: No, it's fine. I just don't have a German accent. Okay. But fewer now. Yeah. Well. <laughs> all right, we're going down a dark hole, and we need to stop. All right, let's get the hell out of here, gentlemen. I appreciate you doing. Another episode here, 158. That is insane to say out loud. And all of you who are watching do greatly appreciate it, man. All you brainiacs out there that have continued to support and watch and interact with us on all the socials and everything, I uh, do appreciate it. I do just want to let everybody know we are going down to one show a week now that fantasy football is over until the offseason. And then we might, we're going to have some conversations behind the scenes and, and figure out what we're going to do going forward. But we will be having shows Monday night with the show with the podcast rather coming out on Tuesdays. So just want to get everybody a heads up there and, uh, continue to support us. I greatly appreciate it, man. Truly do. And, uh, hit the subscribe button wherever you guys are at means the world to, uh, to us. And as we continue our growth and everything like that, we love to, to see and interact with all you brainiacs. So anything else, gentlemen? Scotty, congratulations on winning the League of Record. You have earned it, and I'm so happy for you, brother. Let's get the hell out of here. We are out.
0: If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you tune into to our new releases every week on your favorite podcast app. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and check out leatherbrains.com for all of your fantasy football needs. And remember, Brainiacs, a championship should be more than a fantasy.